just having a conversation. That's what the whole point of, you know, I think of the podcast, just having conversations and learning about people. It's just too many people aren't learning about each other. Yes, it's and, so true. Right? They don't know each other. And I'm like, how about we just get to know each other? We live in a world, it's so funny you said that because I was talking about this this morning. We live in a world that's so connected and like that's what people thrive off of, but it's also so disconnected in the same like group. They're like, oh yeah, I have 3,800 Facebook friends or <laughs> 15,000 Instagram followers or this many Twitter followers. I'm like, yeah, but how many of them do you know? Like exactly. know at a cellular soul level and like what makes <laughs> their heartbeat? Like maybe like six, is that accurate? Six might be an accurate number. I I, first of all, I like that term cellular soul level. That's pretty good. I'm gonna have to use that. Yeah, (laughs) we have have this overinflated sense of like community. Sometimes Mm -hmm. like I have all these followers, but in a sense, like followers is a strange word, by the way. It's a super strange word. It's not a very cult feeling to it, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, I think Facebook did a good job when they came up with friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what was it? What was it on MySpace way back in the day? I, you know, I remember having MySpace, but I don't remember what it was called. Like, I think actual... it was still friends. I think it, I think they may have adopted it from that. But yeah, yeah. Twitter kind of bastardized and used the followers <laughs> and likes and retweet, like share me. Share so it, got, me. it got a little into ego. Yeah, definitely a little into ego. It's like followers. It's like, okay, like, what does that mean? But on the same sense, friends too, it's like, what's your definition of friendship also? Exactly. Yeah. So we could dissect words, which I have a feeling is maybe where we're going to (laughs) go. It just feels like it. I mean, I don't know. It's just always something about words and the connotation behind words and how you explain things to people, the impression that you give other people by your words, you know? And then with everything being kind of, it's like our perception is 100% our own interpretation of kind of our past and all the things that we bring to the table of who we are. Yeah. Like my, my definition of friend may be vastly different than your definition of friend. I want like my ride or die. Like those are my friends. Like yeah. those are my people. Those who I would actually consider friend. The rest are acquaintances. Yeah. Lovely to follow. You know, glad you're pregnant. Happy you graduated, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but like- friends or I think of a again more of a that soul connection yeah I think so too speaking of soul connection I think maybe this is a good segue into a little bit about spirituality and things that I it's been a while since we we contacted a little back but I think this is a segue back into what you do and and uh a little bit about your life I think is really important as we start launching into you yeah totally (laughs) So goodness, where do, where do, where do we start? <laughs> All the way at the beginning of time. <laughs> okay, so I was born in a Southern California town. No, um, actually that's, the, that's actually just really going back to this life too. Yeah. You really want to get technical. So I'll okay. make a little asterisk there. Okay. Um, but no, I grew up actually in a super traumatic household. I grew up with parents who were both drug dealers, drug addicts, um, just not the place that in, in the traditional sense where a child should grow up. Yeah. And for a lot of my teenage kind of formative early 20 years, there was a lot of resentment and there was a lot of anger and there was a lot of pain revolving my childhood. And um, no one tells you when you launch into entrepreneurship, all of your baggage, all of your shit, all of the stuff that all of the stories, all of the mindsets, all of the limiting beliefs, everything you have comes to the forefront. <laughs> no one, no one warned me about that. So kind of launched into entrepreneurship when I was in my young 20s, and it really became a personal development journey for me. 
into finding out who I was, what my story meant, kind of taking the labels that I had assigned of bad and negative and trauma and actually kind of alchemizing and changing those into really where I tapped into my intuition, where I tapped into my power, where I tapped into my spirituality, my deeper knowing of self, which has kind of led me to, to where I am now. When you mention uh, spirituality, what does that yes. mean to you? So spirituality means tapping into a consciousness or a being. Some people use the word God, source, spirit, Buddha, Allah, you know, pick your, pick your happy term, but it's tapping into something larger than yourself and, uh, and more pure than yourself and more meaningful than yourself. So often we have kind of these blinders on in our life and we kind of get stuck in this ego driven mentality yeah. of it's all about me and the impact I'm going to make and the legacy I'm going to leave and the money I need and spirituality is taking that and kind of getting one step further into what is the collective conscious contribution I'm going to make. What do you think about kind of where we're at in today's society? Because it feels like to me that there's a larger acceptance and searching for spirituality in whatever form that may be. Yeah, so I think that there is. And I think kind of going through what had happened last year, it was the collective trauma. For a lot of people who didn't have anything traumatic happen to them kind of in their upbringing or in their formative years, like their biggest, you know, their biggest piece may have been not being able to be picked for, you know, a soccer team or gym class or whatnot. Um, We kind of as a whole collective world went for this up level through kind of the, 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 the virus that we saw last year. So it was getting people out of their normal comfort zones and really forcing people to pause, which is really the, the key that I find and actually get super quiet and get super intentional with like their time, their kids, their family, what's important to them, the relationships they wanna cultivate, their jobs, all of like these core value areas in our life were kind of put on this pause to see like what would actually kind of bubble up to the, the surface. And we found this kind of collective awakening, so to speak. How do you explain like the collective awakening? How does that manifested itself in spirituality with people? Is that people are seeing, thinking of things bigger than themselves or where do you see this moving after this kind of this time that's happened? Is it going to stay or is it going to fade? What do you say? What do you think? So I'm seeing a polarity right now. Mm. I'm seeing some people who kind of are in this snowball effect of once the ball got rolling, they're all in there. They're starting to question other areas of their life or other relationships or other things that we're told are supposed to be meaningful. Um, and then I have people who are like, no, it's just a phase and are going back to, you know, blinders down, we're blinders on, head down and kind of status quo. And I think that in the space that we're in right now, especially kind of mid 2021 and starting to kind of see things come back, so to speak, to the new normal, um, you're starting to kind of see both sides rise and, and fall. Yeah. It's funny, the, the time, time changes a lot of things for people. Oh, 100%. And it fades the memory <laughs> big time for that. I'd like to think that spirituality will continue to be a different, will be more important for people. But how do you think the current version of spirituality is manifesting itself? Because I think we have kind of an idea of what the past of spirituality is. Because when people are going to say religion, they kind of encompass religion as all of spirituality, but it's just one outgrowth of spirituality. Yeah. So what's the future of that in your, in your mind? Oh my goodness. 
So one thing that actually, when you were just mentioning about like kind of the, the past and the time telling, um, one thing that popped up for me is this concept of memory. Um, I don't know if you know this, one of the things that I found fascinating kind of when I was doing some, some neuroscience geeking out is that when you remember something, you actually remember the last time you recalled the event, you don't remember the original event. Right. Yes. Which for me was like, it was very eye-opening in listening kind of to the stories that are being told and to the mindsets and to the, the perspectives of, of the people who have, who have held and, you know, and white knuckle gripped, so, so, so to speak, to their story or to their past or to really anything that has happened to or for them. Um, so I think that's kind of one of the things that we're seeing kind of going forward as well. Um, as it relates to spirituality and how it's manifesting, I see people are more open to or more open to connecting and more open to having that the, the awareness that there is something larger at play than themselves. Um, how that's playing out, I'm seeing again, kind of the polarity of it. I'm seeing the duality of some people are taking it and running with it. And then other people are fearful of it because it's something that was birthed, which nine times out of 10 things that are birthed out of pain tend to be the most beautiful in our lives, but they're still holding on to the story and the pain. Hmm. Yeah, it's the polarity is an interesting word, I mm -hmm. think, with that. And that's constant. I think we're constantly faced with that kind of polarity and, and so many topics. You could take 100%. it almost to any topic. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> but you have these topics, what I sometimes refer to as these sacred topics. Mm -hmm. that people have a hard time touching when they touch it they feel this very visceral charge feeling of charge or charge and i feel like spirituality is one of those things but i feel like we're kind of trying to figure it out on some level on a larger scale for that and i think it's the big thing being sorry big thing being like something greater than yourself you know mm -hmm. Well, and I feel like a lot of times it's charged for a reason or it's charged because of some experience they had in the past that they're bringing forward. Um, and I mean, again, kind of with that, with knowing that everything that we have the, the perception of is through our own lens and through our own you know, pieces and stories, it kind of takes, if you zoom out at a 30,000 foot level, it kind of makes total sense as to why spirituality is charged for some people. It was either forced or it was pushed or, you know, someone was overly religious and they went down that path and called it spirituality or, you know, it was bastardized by kind of the traditional religion, biz the business of religion. Um, so I feel like there are some things that people hold on to and then they're like, no, I can't connect with anything deeper because I'll be taken advantage of because it's not safe for mm. me and they'll like kind of cling to that story. Yeah, I think there's a lot of clinging to stories, but also like there's there's so much negativity to some mm -hmm. aspects of things. You know, people, um, they look at things like, let's say they say, let's say religion or whatever it is, where they say, hey, this, they tend to cling to the very fundamentalist aspect of it or the extreme negative, extreme story of something. And exactly. don't recognize that there's other people within that larger thing that have nothing to do with that side of that thing yeah, of it. We do, that, we do that with all of what you just called all sacred. Of, yes. I mean, yeah. we do that with government. We do that with religion. We do that with money. We do that with, you know, education systems and literally everything This is we always see this. And it's funny because I go back to polarity is we see the, we see the bad, we don't see the good. And I think, and if you live a kind of more tapped in life, more into that divine consciousness, spiritual space, you can start to see the good with the bad. You can start to see yeah. the beauty that comes out of the pain or 
you know, the, the two different pieces that come together to really make the whole. Where did this kind of come for a crossroads for you? Is there like a tipping point for you in your life where this really started to make more sense? That's a great question. I would say a couple of years ago, I kind of went down this journey of the labels and things that I were, that were assigned to me. So it originally started with business owner, because I have a, a fairly large marketing agency that I founded and run, I used to run. And it started with being a mom. And like, just when people would be like, well, you can't be a, a successful business owner and a present mom. There's, there's just no way there's no option. And then it kind of went down into the, the rabbit hole of being pragmatic and spiritual because I consider myself to be very pragmatic. I'm not like, well, you know, the crystal said no, so I can't go to this, this event. I'm like, yeah. no, like if there's a logical explanation, I'm, I live in my cognitive mind. I'm yeah. a human being. Um, so the, I was kind of went down this path for probably two and a half, almost three years of just all of the things that were assigned to me that I was told couldn't coexist and actually worked on integrating those back into self. So I could be, I could be both. I had a whole series called how to be both. Mm. That's interesting. It mm -hmm. reminds me of kind of the, I've listened to some podcasts and things where, you know, there's this whole division of science and spirituality. Right? Oh my gosh. This it's is the same thing. The same thing. Right. And like, <laughs> yes. if you're a scientist, I'm not saying this, but I'm saying this is kind of the general connotation. If you're a scientist, you can't believe in spirituality. And if basically if you're very spiritual, that you don't have this science side of you. And it's funny how we've tried to separate these things. But like, wait a minute, why does it have to be one or the other? And you what's know? hysterical and what makes me laugh so much is we keep finding new terms to make ourselves be right. Like so. <laughs> It's true. So in science, like they were like, the atom is the smallest part and that's what we're going to name it. And where it's going to be atom and that's, that's what it is. And, you know, you have the spiritual people going, no, everything's made up of energy. Everything's made yeah. up of energy. And then they got a better microscope and they got a better technology. And they're like, no, it's going to be sub atom or sub particle atom. Right. And then they're like, no, it's going to be molecular sub particle atom. And they just come, keep coming up with these terms yeah. to not actually have the kind of spiritual ancient wisdom teachings stand yeah. on their own. But I'm like, you guys are saying the same thing. Why are you fighting? <laughs> why are, why is there a division of fighting? Why do you think that there is such um, kind of vitriol between the two? These are That's big questions. Question. <laughs> I know, I'm like, shit. <laughs> um, why do I think? I mean, I think part of the human experience is and part of the ego, especially in the human experiences, mm. is to be right. Mm. So I feel like if mm. they were if scientists were to say, yeah, you know, the ancient teachings in, you know, you know, all the shamanic ancient teachings from Hawaii through Colombia down to Peru, et cetera, they were all right. Um, I think that would be kind of a, a ego hit if you think about mm. it to the scientists. Yeah. There would be no invention. There would be nothing that they're coming up with that's new. They would just be reconfirming something that's already found, which if you're being honest, there's nothing really sexy in that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like it's a, a big ego struggle is uh, for a lot of humans. Yes. Is, you know, I'm going to be the founder. I'm going to be this. I'm going to discover the next greatest thing. I'm, you know, no offense, Richard, Br Richard Branson, love you. I'm going to be the first person who's, you know, yeah. taking regular civilians to space. <laughs> you know, it's always, there's, there's a big ego kind of picture going on. It's very interesting. I listen every once in a while to this um, podcast. It's called Science Plus God. Mm -hmm. And um, it's this 
physical, like, sorry, a physicist and engineer guy. And you're like, okay, you know, typical scientist, but he's also a very spiritual person. Mm-hmm. And he tries to break down the walls between it's like, hey, listen, I'm very much into, you know, quantum mechanics and computing and stuff and also spirituality and like, hey, these things could exist together. A hundred percent. But for so, some reason, we've we've made up in our mind for a lot of people. It's like, oh, I'm a scientist. It has to be proof for everything. Exactly. Proof My for everything. A <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. How does that work for you? <laughs> There's a lot of, there's, there's some fighting. There's <laughs> some fighting. There's, there's some yeah. fighting. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's like, if you can't prove it and if there's not a control and there's not a designated yeah. hypothesis and da, 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 yeah. da, I'm like, mm, but it's been proven. Like, <laughs> <laughs> or you have to have faith or you have to trust. He's like, no, you can't. That's not the answer. So. <laughs> it's so funny why we, cause I feel like both of, both of those things kind of prove each other exist. And I and then, feel like know. when you, a hundred percent. And I feel like when you get people who understand that and who kind of understand that things can coexist together and are actually quite often more powerful when coexisting, yes. like that's where you find the true success and the true fulfillment and the true enlightenment, so to speak. Do you ever run up? Do you, do you, are, are you in conversations with people who besides your husband about this? And that maybe had those thought processes and do you get a chance to ever talk to them about the thought process behind it? Or is that all the time? <laughs> oh, really? Really? Explain. Well, so a lot of what I do is coaching around these kind of topics and around okay. this subject. And um, especially I work with a lot of male executives who, you know, on paper are kind of are successful and have the things going on. And when it comes to kind of releasing the boundaries on some of the, the pieces that they do need to unlock, um, a lot of the work that I do, for instance, is with divine feminine and masculinity to get them to blow out the proportions of the fact that we both have these energies that coexist and that need to live together. Um, yeah. One of the things that I do is using use quantum log- like linguistics to actually blow out the boundaries of these issues or these stories or these pieces that we kind of hold on to. So yeah, this is, this is my conversation quite often. <laughs> What's the difficulty behind this? What is the initial friction with people that you may experience? Are people opening up quickly or they're like, I don't know about this, Cassandra? I mean, Ooh, it depends. So I think for, I would say probably for about 70% of my clients, they're willing to try and they're willing to play. Um, Cause that's really what this is. It's really playing in the, the game of life and, and, uh, you know, kind of altering our experiences and how we assign labels to them. If we as humans didn't assign labels to anything, we wouldn't have all of this friction. We wouldn't have all this kind of combative yeah. polarity, negativity, et cetera, but it's the labels that we assign. So I would say 70% of my clients have no problem dropping those labels for five minutes and kind of getting in mm-hmm. the sandbox and playing. And the other 30% cling to them because they're, they provide something for their identity. Yeah, They identify with them or they identify with the story or with the pieces or with the overcoming or with the martyr, or with the victim, you know, with the different roles we play. Um, so then I have to kind of go into identity management mode and start yeah. to dissect their identity, which most people will take personally really quick, even sure. though that's exactly what they asked for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you came to me because you said you hated your ego. I'm like, of course, we're going to dismantle your identity and how you created yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny, right? It's like, well, I want this, but actually don't tell me about it. <laughs> well, it's funny because it goes back to kind of one of the things that I talk about often is 
we're kind of given this template and we're, we're marketed and sold this template of success by successful people. They're like, if you want to, you know, have all the things, you know, do all the things you have to follow these one, two, three, four, five steps in my order, the way that I say. And I'm like, that doesn't necessarily work. Like our journey as humans is to become more of ourselves Mm. to then be able to be who we want to be so we can do the things we want to do so we can have the things we want to have. And we kind of right now bastardize it and follow in the, the really the wrong order and figure out who we want to be. So then we can figure out who, what we want to have. Do you think that there is a, there's a, I want to say, I want to frame this here. Do you think that people want to believe in something greater than themselves? That that is really important to the journey of being human? I think genuinely they do at the Mm. core because they want, one of the core values of most people is to feel connected. Mm. And it is to have that connectedness and to know that you're part of something bigger and to be part of a whole. Um, Where that gets hurt for a lot of people is kind of staying in story Mm. and they've been hurt before by someone who they felt deeply and like intricately intricately connected to um so they they it's funny because if you look at it they want what they've been given or they want Mm. what they had they have had in the past but then that would potentially hurt them Mm. so there's fear surrounding actually wanting that same thing again interesting that's uh you make me think about this. <laughs> like, well, your questions are making me think. I'm like, wow, he's a really good podcast interviewer. I don't, you know, you know what? I don't plan anything always on purpose. That's, I have no the, that's clue. the best way to do it. I just let it come to me. I just think mm-hmm. the concept of like, this is an ancient thing is that people have looked to the sky. They've mm-hmm. looked to the universe and they've wanted to, they Pick, search for things larger. We see it all throughout the history of humans that the worship of something greater than what is here on the planet mm-hmm. for that. It feels almost innate mm-hmm. and that you'll seek that out. So for me, it always feels weird when somebody has not, not or they just, they say they want none of that, you know? Yeah. Well, and I feel like it depends on which, where they are in their life. Yeah because everything being cyclical, like originally when we were put on this planet, we were meant to survive and survive only. Yeah. Immediately after that, it was, I'm going to survive, but I'm going to look to the stars and look to the signs and look to God's spirit universe, et cetera, and ask the medicine man or woman what my next decision is. And then after that wasn't working, we then moved to more of the, well, it's all about me. I'm going to fall into kind of this this red area where I'm gonna need to bully my way and force my way through it. So we're kind of coming back to where all of these pieces merge together and can coexist in the human experience, which is taking a little piece from the the values level red or from like a values level red of like, it's all about me, Mm -hmm. taking a little piece of the ego, taking a little piece of the the spirituality, taking a little piece of the survival, taking a little piece of the cause and actually merging those pieces together. It also feels like that we're fighting this battle too of this never ending, this exponential growth of technology, which mm-hmm. in many ways can create a very self-centered view of the self. Mm-hmm. And, and so you become your own greater than life thing. Mm-hmm. This fighting of like, I worship me mm-hmm. since, you know, the and that's the, the whole follower the thing, you know, the exactly. e- e- I feel like the ego is being fed, the monstrous ego, it can be fed so much easier now than ever before. 
And you and I both know from a technology and from a psychology standpoint, all of this stuff is created. Yeah. So like, for instance, I love that we're talking about this today. What I did was actually take the color off of my phone screen Mm -hmm. because I looked at my screen time and I was like, this is ridiculous, Cass. Like you need to get a hold of yourself. (laughs) Like, why are you like, you have plenty of things to do. You have businesses and life and kid, et cetera, family, like why are you scrolling? Because I was finding myself getting kind of caught in this mm-hmm. trap of like doing exactly what app creators and technology moguls want you to do. So one of the things that I did, which I'll show you, because I think mm-hmm. it's hysterical, is change everything to grayscale. Gray there scale. is no color on my phone. Okay. And within five minutes of doing that, my brain felt different. Hmm. I was like, wow, there like you could feel almost the less, less of that like dopamine adrenaline rush, like from getting yeah. a notification or from scrolling through can still see the things but it's not as it's not as charged so just from that little act like as i'm saying this i'm sure it'll get canceled and you know technology will come down and shut you off no more gray (laughs) they're like she's doing exactly you know she's having this conversation of exactly what we don't want people to do but i can almost guarantee it after a week of doing this experiment my screen time will be cut probably in maybe spice maybe by 70 percent wow because the charge isn't there yeah. Yeah. It's just so much, it's so interesting, the techniques and the things we're doing to try to keep us from being so ego oriented or just being bored, you know, mm-hmm. like, and say, Hey, but again, it just feeds the ego and say, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to build into me. I, this whole concept of the branding and everything, if you really look at it on a large scale, it's about you. It's, it's always about you. And if you don't <laughs> step back from you, and you're in danger of falling into you serving yourself constantly, you know? And I mean, I will clarify, I want to clarify just a bit there. Cause I mean, I feel like the journey for me is having people become more of who they're meant to be and who they're mm-hmm. supposed to be, which does sound like it's coming from a big ego place of ego, but it's from them, you know, tapping into a cause that they want to support yeah. or a mission that they want to support or, you know, something that makes them who they are of like something that makes their heart beat and something that makes them happy and at yeah. like a cellular level, um, which is part of branding and which is part of the, mm. the kind of marketing of and growth of a business, of a successful business. Um, that's why you find, you know, Tom's shoes and things like that are so successful because in charity water, they have something that's bigger yeah. than themselves. Yeah. Um, but it is then aligning your mission to who you are supposed to be versus who you want to be, want to be seen as. It feels like uh, who you want to be is is more of a, a deeper inside who you want to be versus the outside. A hundred percent. You want to be. 100%. Now, is it hard for you to get people to slow down to actually have that thought process? Yes, <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. is the hardest part of like all of the work, to be honest with you, because we live in a culture, society, and world that rewards the fast-paced kind of mm-hmm. behavior that rewards the, I've seen it so many times and it's kind of this bro marketing that I call it. They're like, get your (laughs) next six figures in six days. I'm like, for the love of God. I can't stand that. (laughs) Neither can I. I'm like, yes, you can fast, like you can throw together something that's inauthentic, not for you. And that's not sustainable and make some money. Yes, I've seen it done many, many times, but I'm like, that's not what this game is about. Yeah, I think you see it also like in like, the headlines for people, let's say like a LinkedIn or something. And it's always so something I help people make, you know, six figures. I generate all these leads and stuff. I'm like, well, that's not you actually though. Is that mm-hmm. you? If that's you, we got a problem. 
I'm like, who are you? At the question of who are you mm-hmm. is yeah. I don't think we ever answer that question hardly ever in our lives. People don't ask it to us. No, and people, when people ask, who are you too, they'll go into their job and they'll go into yeah. their roles and they'll go into their responsibilities yeah. that they're a dog owner and all sorts of things. <laughs> I'm a dog it's owner. It's true though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've no problem, love dogs. Yeah. But like, they'll go into all of these things that actually aren't who you are. So yeah. it's funny because I jokingly say I have an identity crisis every couple of years because as I'm growing, I'm still having that that piece of defining who I am in uh, that short truncated sentence that people want as a package. Yeah. Interesting. When you work with clients, what is success maybe to them? Or is it their success is relative to them, but for you, what do you think is successful or the tipping point for working with a client where you're like, Hey, it's happening. I, I feel like the light is turned on. What's that point? Yes. So for me, it's when they start catching their own patterns and when they start kind of catching their own perspective as to to the things, to the tracks that they're playing in their head. Explain that further. Yeah, absolutely. So for instance, if you come to me, you're like, you're generally what happens, people come to me and they're like, I've tried everything else. Nothing is working. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, great. (laughs) You've come to the right place. Um, And we'll go through kind of really how they've created their reality and what they've actually brought from childhood, what they've brought from their teenage, what they've brought from their formative years and the the lenses and labels that they have for that. So after we kind of work through all of these pieces and dismantle these pieces and really excavate their limiting beliefs, their value systems, um, who they think that they're supposed to be, who their mom thinks that they're supposed to be, all of these pieces, it's not a process where all of a sudden everything is done and everything flows together and you're just living a hundred percent in alignment and nirvana. I wish it was, it'd make my job a hell of a lot easier, Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but it's actually the process of going, catching themselves in the act of saying, Oh, that was the old me. Or that was most of my clients are like, that was the version 1.0 of me, or that's what I used to think, or that's what I used to believe. And they'll actually catch themselves in the act. And that's kind of my definition of success is when I'm almost no longer needed because they're actually cognizant at wake and aware enough to see what they're doing in their own patterns. That makes a lot of sense. They're yeah. starting to change how they talk about it. Yeah. With it. Do you ever have anybody who's like, this isn't working? No. <laughs> um, I've had a couple of people who are like, you know, a lot of people will start with me and they're like, this this may have worked for all of your other clients, but this won't work for me. <laughs> I love <laughs> That's that. That's my right? favorite. That's I was like, not, oh, cool. Yeah. Let's talk about that story. Yeah. Who told how you about you we special? do that? Yeah. <laughs> Who told you you were special? <laughs> it's true though. It's true. Cause we kind of get in these, I mean, I, I was a victim of that too. I would used yeah. to be like, no, it, everyone else can be successful, but I can't. And I'm mm. like, oh shit. That's yeah. my special story coming out. <laughs> yeah. So no, wow. I, that'll, that made, that is, that is pretty common when they start is how do I know it'll work for me or will it work for me or you know, I've done, I will that people say therapy work and I've done 10 years of therapy and that didn't work. I'm like, cool. Cause you didn't allow it to work. You weren't ready for it to work. And you know, what's funny is generally what happens six months later, they're like, you know, all the therapy I told you I did that didn't work. I'm like, yeah. They're like it worked. I just didn't know it worked. I'm like, yes. yes. Welcome. Welcome. You've arrived. Welcome to your life. Okay. So, a lot of times I'm actually not listening when I'm talking to someone for their story around it. I'm just listening to the context of it and listening to the patterning of it. Um, because the context is all of what we label. It's all of what we create. 
Um, but it's actually the patterns that I want to see. Okay, cool. They do that in their relationship. They do that in their business. Do they do it as it relates to spirituality? Do they do that as it relates to personal growth? How about their personal health? Where's that at? I actually look for kind of cross patterns between different areas of life. So that's what I'm interested in. No, that's very interesting. And where are you at in this process? Someone who does this, where are you at and where do you want to be? Yeah. So I feel like for me, it's a constant evolution and a constant journey. Um, I don't feel like there's a completion point. Mm. So I will still catch myself in my own patterns and in my own stories and my own limiting beliefs. And, um, and I feel like you're supposed to, because I mean, we are having a human experience by no means. Am I fully enlightened, fully goddess 24 seven by any stretch zero, like of the imagination. There's times where like, I'll get disembodied or where there's times where I'll get in my head and there's times when I'll get a limiting belief or lack come in. And it's really kind of the work and that's why it's called a practice, but it's really kind of the work getting back out of that, recognizing you're in that space and getting back to a different space and recalibrating differently. I mean, lots of good nuggets of information here. And yes. lots, if lots anyone says story. they're a guru, run, run the other way. Run, Fucking run. run. <laughs> Your ass off, man. Seriously. Like, I'm your guru. I'm like, like, no, you're the guru of your own life. You design right. your own life. You create and cultivate your own life. And that's I'm why a couple, I think- I'm, I'm a couple steps ahead of my clients. Absolutely. But yeah. I've also been doing and dedicating my entire life's work for the past 15 years to this. Most definitely. And people out there, that's why it's also easier to get into cults and stuff these days, man. There's the online nature of it. You're falling for people telling you they're like the special one or something like the only, you know, it's like, you got to be careful. We got to do the work. You got to look inside for that. And Cassandra, thank you so much for your time, your yes. energy, your effort, and uh, very easy to talk to. By the way. <laughs> thank you for having me on and for the wonderful questions and conversation. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And uh, I look forward to more connection in the future. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone.